Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host, Stu Whiffin. I hope you're all doing well today. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode, I managed to grab an hour with today's guest, which is Rob Goodwin, uh, he was en route from Manchester to Islington, where he's banned the slow show. Uh, we're doing a headline show at the uh, Islington Assembly. And he was kind enough to, to pop in en route ahead of Sandcheck. And you're going to love this episode. Rob's a, a wonderful guy and chose some fantastic records. And, uh, and before we get on with the episode, I'm just going to say a few thank yous to... Well, let's say uh, thank you to um, Rob and The Slow Show. Uh, and also Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, and thanks ever so much to my producer, 76, for making this sound even better. And if you do like this and you like hearing creative people talking about their journeys today, um, then go and have a look in the back catalogue because there's lots of names and faces that you'll recognise and, and, and go and have a listen. Uh, and better still, if I, I try not to sort of bang on about this, but if you do ever get a chance to go to iTunes and give us a little rating or a review, or better still, subscribe because them things really do help. Uh, yeah, and and if you want even more content, then I do have a Patreon page. So each week, I put up a standalone episode over on Patreon as well. You can find out about everything at uh, com. Right, that's enough from me. Let's let's get on with um, today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beaten Track with Rob Goodwin of The Slow Show. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, 
great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It means stew with him. Right, we are recording. We are at the WeWork building in East London and sitting opposite me today, ahead of uh, their London show, uh, from the slow show, is Rob Goodwin. Stu, how are you doing? I'm good, you alright? Good, very good, thanks. So, did you come down from Manchester today? We did, bright so, and early. So, was there a show last night? No, we had a night off last night. It was in Glasgow the night before, that was right. the first night, and then we had a night off, and then we're in Paris tomorrow, so this nice. is fresh, nice and fresh. You're looking good on it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we sound, at the start of the tour, I said last night, you know, we sound a bit ropey, but we look fantastic, yeah. so... <laughs> That, of course, the reverts the opposite. <laughs> you know, by the end of it, we sound great and look, look you like... You said done some shows with the Pixies last week? Yeah, we played in Plymouth. Just one just one, yeah. one off, but yeah, a bit of a mad one, really, yeah. How was it? It was great, yeah. So, uh, Fred, who's a piano player and the producer for the for our band, he, they're like his all-time favourite band, you know, so for him, it was like such a moment. A moment, so, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was fantastic, yeah. real privilege, you know. Lovely. Rob, we always start this podcast with track one, which is the song with the greatest ever intro. Can you remember what you picked? I can. I went for LCD Sound System, All My Friends. Yeah. Is that not theoretically like a seven-minute intro to just this exactly, glorious like, yeah. one-minute crescendo totally, at the yeah, end? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Do you know what? I was thinking about this on the way up because obviously, you know, if there was if it was about a composition, you know, yeah. I might have gone for something classical or yeah. if it was just about something being instantly recognisable. Yeah. There's, there's loads of those, you know. It's a tough question. But I think you've, that's spot on. It's yeah. just one massive, yeah. massive intro. And it's so subtle. The changes in it are, are just so beautifully subtle yeah and it's just absolutely hypnotic yeah. you know and yeah i just think the sort of hypnotic nature of it and that kind of pedal note on the on the keys yeah. that just pounds and pounds and yeah. it gets bigger and bigger it's when and that snare drops as well <sighs> yeah it is yeah. yeah i don't know if that's an 808 yeah. or yeah. what it is but it sounds <laughs> glorious but I don't know, I've mentioned so a lot of people have chose this record. Right. Not for this, yeah. not, not for Grace Intro, but they've chose it for yeah. other questions on the, on the podcast. It's quite a, a common choice. And Is I it? guess that's testament to the fact that it's a stone cold fucking classic record, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But 
it often, as soon as I hear that record, have you seen the, the, the LCD Sound System film? I have, yeah, yeah. And it's just, when I saw the trailer for that, and it's obviously this track's used in it, and there's just a bit where it all drops and it cuts an arcade yeah. fire and yeah. they're harmony. It just, I mean, that, that, that film is pretentious as hell, but it's incredible, right? It is, yeah. And I think, for me, the, 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 be- the beauty in that film is, like, the faces in the crowd, yeah. you know, and you, like, see, seeing what those songs and those lyrics and those yeah. beats mean to people, yeah. you know, you really get a sense of that, you yeah. know. It, it's beautiful. So, in regards to, to introductions in music, or introductions in songs, um, as a band, how do you approach it? Intros specifically, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, introducing your story or or the emotion that you're trying to capture is, of course, it, it's so important, you know. So I think I think you're just trying to create a moment of feeling, and the intro is is the door into the space you're going to be, yeah. or you know, the window that you're looking through. So it's it's really important, you know. It has to move people. It has to it has to get them somehow. And that track, you know, that track is a personal one because I'd been in a relationship all my life, pretty much as an adult, and then when I was thirty, it it ended, and I left. I remember I left the house and I got in my got in my car. And I knew that I'd never go back to to this to the house and that world, and all my all my adult life had been invested in that world really, and I sort of sat there and I thought, right, there was a proper moment, you know, what 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 will I do? And I thought, I've got to get out of Manchester, definitely for a little bit. Uh, and I put I turned the ignition in the car and that tune came on. I'd never heard it before, and that piano started you know and if I could have put a mic in my head that's pretty much how it would have sounded I think you know and I drove I drove to London with that track and after the song had finished I stopped pulled over and I and I would look like one of those crazy people that drives around with the headphones on driving I put my headphones on and I, I listened to that song on repeat for nearly five hours and I drove to London and it was like the most hypnotic sort of mania I'd ever experienced a really like healing moment you know and uh, like even to this day it like when I hear it it has that like Pavlov association thing you know where I just feel like so empowered and there's like this wave of euphoria just rushes through me you know and I think if you can create that in a track it's like gold dust you know and I think they create that in in a very in a very different way because you can you can create that weight, you know, with chord changes and with, you know, we, we, if you listen to things like Nick Cave and that, you can create that kind of weight. But that's nothing but electronic music. Mm. And I think that weight almost comes from that sort of arpeggio. Like, and, and like you say, just how it builds and builds. It's, it's a strange record, I think. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful record, but it, I find it hard to ex- explain what that record does and why, you know why you would listen to it for five hours yeah. with your headphones on, yeah. you know, soundtracking, you know, mania. Yeah. It's, it's a I think probably if we knew the answers to that, there'd be a million of those records. Completely. You know? And I think, Completely. like, because it can leave, you know, I've got a couple of mates that, that we love, that love music and we discuss it, you know, all the time and it leaves them cold, you know, that 
for some reason that song that that like moves me and you know i think there's so much beauty in it and so much of everything um it leaves them cold because i think the, the the subtlety and the changes just for whatever reason it's not for them you know but for some people like you say it's like it's addictive and it's like i always i was like a an indie kid and i, I was always playing the guitar and for years i was not really into anything electronic you know and then you know you, you hear something like that and you realize there's there's as much beauty in in that kind of music than there is in anything you know completely and, and and i think that around that time there was so many it was a, i think it was a, a big boom time for indie bands having kind of dance remixes yeah yeah you know everyone from sort of block party to to whoever was having sebastian remix yeah. and, and and things like that and so i think you know dfa a lot of the artists on there were remixing as well so i think it was a natural thing that I, I guess that, and the, and the, the indie press love Murphy, don't they? Yeah, so yeah. it's like, and, and and for good reason. So. Was there any other honourable mentions that you would have considered uh, for an intro? <sighs> there's loads, you know. I think, like I said, if you, there's there's just so many. But and even even when I was thinking of some of the answers to the the other tracks you asked for, like. They could all be in there, you know. That yeah. one, like the one later on, you know, from my growing up is "Live Forever." Yeah, that yeah. drum beat, you know. And yeah. it's like it's just like you can hear even the world's worst drummer playing yeah. that drum beat, you know. Yeah. And you know what tune yeah. it is, you know. And um, but just that first piano stab of "Don't Look Back in Anger." Yeah, if you just heard that one note alone. How many people would go? Don't look back in anger. Yeah, yeah. Just through that one note. Yeah, it's totally. Like, yeah. And I think there's so many iconic intros, but I think perhaps, yeah, leading back to that question, what what makes good? Maybe it's just that one that grabs you, as the, yeah. you know. And you, we've all got that where you hear a you hear a note, and you're instantly taken back to a place, to a yeah. person, to a feeling, to an emotion, and and that wave of feeling just floods you, you know. And yeah. I think probably, perhaps that's what a good introduction does. It 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 instantly puts you somewhere, you know. Mate, very well answered. <laughs> All right, track two. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Yeah, that was, uh, we used to go on holidays in the UK when I was a kid. Always like long drives and my mum and dad would just take it in turns with their records. My dad's was always James Taylor and my mum's was either Eddie Reader or Joni Mitchell. So Joni Mitchell, I remember being a really, really young kid and just sitting in the back, looking out the window, would be driving to Scotland or the Lake District or something. And um, both sides now, just remember it, like being so young and not knowing what she was singing about at all, didn't matter. It was just this, again, this like a moment of feeling, you know, being instantly moved by it and the strings and the layers you know i'd never heard anything like it, it was like i know it's a cliche but just blew my mind like yeah. i just remember you know it was a really young kid as well i remember yeah. just thinking wow i don't know how i feel but i've never experienced anything like this you know so I wasn't, you, you couldn't explain what that emotion was no not really just just that it was moving me in some way you know i don't it's i wasn't joyous I don't know if it was actually. Yeah, I think it was like, well, yeah, I think 
it probably was. Well, maybe, but I, I couldn't describe it. I remember distinctly thinking, wow, ooh, this is strange, you know, but yeah. it, it instantly just, uh, I was too young to be, to be, uh, too aware of how I felt, but I remember it really making me change in how I felt, and yeah. uh, I love, but I loved it as well, you know. I just uh, that, that that song in particular, you know, it was like the the strings and the the layers and the depth and the dark and shade and everything about it. The composition is is beautiful. The words weren't important at that yeah. time, you know. Now, you know, I how old them. would you have been? Would have been about six, something like that, five or six, yeah. And where was home? Where was you born? I was born in Grimsby, and we used to always drive, you know, we'd go to the Lake District or to, to Scotland or something for holidays, you know. But I think those formative years, like, they were so formative for me and my tastes. I was so lucky now, looking yeah. back, because, yeah, you know, it's like, it was, you know, th there was that and there was Fire and Rain, James Taylor. That did exactly the same yeah. thing, you know. And I remember both of them, you know, the lyrics washed washed over me but the, the 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 emotion and the feeling you know um i love them and i still do you know i love those records so aside from you know listening to music in the car was there was there a stereo at home was there a record collection there wasn't actually not really my parents love music but it was never really that we'd listen to loads that they did of course but they didn't have massive record collections yeah, yeah, yeah. or anything um but my biggest musical memory was always holidays, you know. Yeah. So it was like it was that was the thing. Which just, I mean, I still think it's a great way to listen to music in a car. It yeah. always sounds great. Um, but I do remember long, long, seemingly drives that took forever. You know, when you're yeah. six, and uh, we'd drive up to Scotland, and yeah, it would be like my mum, James, my mum would be Joni Mitchell, and yeah. um, or it'd be Tapestry or something like yeah. that. You know, and then my dad would be, you know. Uh, Beatles or James Taylor or a lot of this like folk singers and stuff yeah. you know that's amazing music to be exposed to at a young age it is yeah. whilst you're driving through the beautiful yeah, definitely caps, yeah you're stuck in there there's yeah. no choice but Absolutely. Uh, yeah there was a few I mean there was a bit of like my mum like Motown as well and uh, um uh, she'd she'd always stick. You'd always be George Michael as well. But all those records still mean a lot to me. Yeah. You know, they were they were great. But I think that that sense of like musing having being really heavy. You know, yeah. I know it doesn't always have to be, but like yeah. I think it's probably no coincidence that I'm now in a band that makes you know hopefully reasonably emotive music. You know, because those records are pretty heavy you know yeah, yeah, they're not definitely. like easy listening sort of stuff you yeah. know that they're, they're quite um they've got depth and weight to them definitely got weight to them mate mm, yeah track three something reminds you of your time at school yeah that's definitely a, we alluded to it earlier but it, it was i was it was the 90s you know and it was oasis had just come out yeah. and i remember like I, I do li remember walking past the music room, you know, every day and hearing people playing that drum beat to live forever. Uh, and uh, funnily enough, now I, I grew up on Oasis and uh, then I had the period of my life in my 20s where I didn't listen to Oasis at all and you get a bit, you know, washed out with stuff. But now I've moved to Germany and there's a great little music bar across the road from my house. And I pop in every evening for a few pints. And now when Oasis track comes on, I love it. You know, yeah. I think when you move away from... Because I, I grew up in Manchester. Uh, 
and then you know you get a bit of oh, when I experience other things in other music styles and stuff but now when I'm in Germany and I hear Oasis I just I'm so proud you know and I think I've become more Mancunian and walk around with a parker on and uh, spitting on the floor <laughs> but I love it and they play that they have like man, I think I think they've probably got a Manchester Spotify playlist or something because yeah. they, they play all the old Manchester stuff yeah. but I think that song's so powerful you know how, how is that growing up in Manchester because for someone that lives like down south you know twice in my life Manchester's been the epicenter you know I'm, yeah. I'm old enough that in 1988-89 you know Manchester happened yeah. and it was something that I, you know I'd love to have experienced Hacienda I'd love yeah. to you know have been around Manchester at, at them points how much of it is just folklore and and you know you, I guess it's it's still a city and it's, you know, people still have to get up and go to work. Yeah. But, you know, in, in my memory, when I look back there, no one done that, you know. Everybody's put their flares on, took loads <laughs> of drugs and made amazing records. Yeah. But, um, but then obviously, again, you know, mid-90s, the focus turns to, to, to Manchester again. And, and you know, I, I guess for a, a few years, certainly in England, you know, if not... You know, most of the world. Oh, this is the biggest thing, in, you know, yeah, out there. Yeah. Like, how has that been in Manchester when that dropped? Yeah, I think, like, you can't underestimate that, the importance of that for the city, really. I mean, whenever you go anywhere in the world and you say you're from Manchester, you know, people say, you know, it's either music or football, you yeah. know. It's just synonymous with those two things and it's a huge part of the city. I mean, all working-class cities, I guess, you know, but... Um, I think it's just such a big part of the city and we're uh, we're all really proud to have Manchester as a hometown really, you know, we all live in different places now but it's still like such a part of us And but I think it's just like I, I remember seeing an interview in Algarve I think that Live Forever apparently is like his kick back to Nirvana at the time, released that track I Hate Myself and I Want to Die and, and Noel was like, we're not having that these Americans coming over and yeah. singing songs like that. This is called yeah. Live Forever, you know, and it's like, it's just a proper fist pump and it mm. makes you, like, I remember hearing the solo and feeling like 10 foot tall, you yeah. know, and you feel so empowered and so uh, proud of where you're from. And also, like, there is a sense of, like, the, such humble beginnings and then this huge success story. It's brilliant for young young mm. people, you know, just to see how successful you can be and you know they didn't go to a expensive music school yeah. or you know there was like working class lads and um funny when we first started the band we came down to london to record some music and this uh guy around the studio was like proper cotton here and he goes manchester yeah i've been there once in 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 the 80s and he said he drove a band and he said i had a gear a, a van full of loads of music equipment and when he parked up, I think it was like one of the boardwalk or whatever, one of the venues then, he said, I parked up outside and this little kid who was about six went up to him and went, oh, give us a pound and I'll look after your van, mister. And he said, uh, the guy was like quite streetwise, you know, and he turned to the little lad and said, oh, no worries, mate, have, there's a dog in the back there, you know. And this little kid that was about six looked up at him and said, oh, uh, can you dog put out fires? <laughs> 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 and like, I always remember him telling me that story and thinking, like, that's, you know, it's such a streetwise place. And, you know, yeah. this little six year old, like, brilliant. mugging people off. And in, in, it's, um, 
I don't know. It's a, it's a, it is a funny city in that respect, but I think people are really kind and really caring, and there's a swagger, but it's great. You, you touched on something a moment ago where you said, um, you know, to see someone from where you come from that didn't go to, you know, music schools and things like that excel in in the field of you know music. You know, was you a, a creative student? I wasn't, no, not at all. The school I went to, you, you couldn't really, you, you weren't, well, you weren't allowed to do music. It wasn't an option, you know. Really? So it wasn't a part of my life academically at what all. What did you want to be at school? I was into sports. I loved sports and I wanted to, I was, I was uh, into distance running actually and that, that was my dream. I always wanted to go and, you know, be a professional runner but um, it wasn't good enough. <laughs> but uh, that was the thing. But I don't know, I don't, I don't know if... If kind of get studying music would have been for me, really, you know. Yeah. Did you enjoy school? No, I didn't actually. No, I didn't. I didn't really like school. I've been much happier as an adult than I was at school. But I think maybe if I could have like got into a few few more things like that. But I was never in with the music kids, you know. Um, um, but I don't. I don't know if it's important. I don't think there's there's a one size fits all when it comes to yeah. music that's for sure nowadays it's an interesting one you know if you'd really want to go and do a music degree and spend x amount on it and um what are your thoughts on that well it's mad i mean i've got a lot of friends that uh teach uh like jazz guitar and things at different really prestigious like universities and stuff and i don't know if they'd recommend it you know now because it's like if you go and study I don't know. Well, just in general, it's a disgrace that people have to pay so much money to study and create such a class system. And it's and are you, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to start my life as a professional musician with a yeah. hundred grand debt or whatever it's yeah, going to yeah, be. Yeah, you know, completely. after four years studying in London or. I just I'm I'm kind of sort of split on it. I do think there's there's merits to to, to going and learning a craft to a degree. But I also think that, you know, there's a million and one session musicians on the planet that are incredible technical artists, yeah. but couldn't put three chords together and write a fucking banger. Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes that's something that can't be taught. I think if you've just got an ear for music and an ear for what's infectious and what can work, mm. I do think there's something that's quite natural about that as well. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, completely it, it's horses for courses I yeah. think you know and I don't think there's any the only thing I don't like is when the snobbery and music in in any way you know coming from both sides you know yeah. we we're privileged enough we've worked with like the Halle uh, youth choir and some really great orchestras and stuff and I love it when you see you know some like someone that's not trained in music discussing music with someone that's trained for years yeah. and you can just talk about how it should make you feel you know Completely. i want this to feel like this yeah. and if and if you're a great musician it doesn't matter if you're trained or you're not you can just still create a feeling yeah and um you should be able to make music with anyone i think yeah. you know we all get goosebumps mate that's well, it uh, yeah yeah and it's nice to i like talking in that like in, in those terms of music yeah. you know it's it's nice to be able to be clinical and uh, uh, and and be able to to be really explicit with writing music and explaining a, a a chord in its entirety but it's also nice just to say this should this should make you feel like yeah. this you know yeah
Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To all the songs, because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. So before we get into how you got into music, let's let's just find out what the first song you remember buying is from a record shop. Yeah, I was thinking this. My dad had a few vinyls and I remember him playing me... Uh, I don't know if it, it was the record or it was it was a single, but it come together on vinyl. I remember, really remember hearing it, and it. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't even sure if I liked it, but I just thought it sounded so cool. You yeah. know, the sound. It's like yeah. if you had to personify coolness in a sound, yeah. it would probably be that bassline dropping at the start. Production's warm on that record, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like you know, it's got a, it's got such swagger and it bit of a chip on its shoulder and i just love the sound like it's so so interesting the sound yeah. so it would have been that I, I went out and got that um and again i can't remember if i got the, the probably bought the album abbey road but do you remember um, where you got it yeah it was it was a shop uh, actually can't remember the name but it was a music shop in grimsby i would have been uh about 10 something like yeah. that and uh but uh yeah i remember getting it and then yeah just you know, listening to it all the time. It was such a, it's a, you know, good, yeah, it was good. It was a good one. What was happening in Grimsby then uh, that 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 made music uh, alluring? Well, actually, I I moved to Manchester when I was about 
14 and right. that was really when I started you know being obsessed with music and loving it so it was probably more I was probably more um, a product of that I think so it, this was like early mid 90s yeah yeah uh, so I think I think it was it was you know I was into sport and I was into music and my dad uh, was looking for work and he found a job in Manchester and it was like a dream for me you know because yeah. young young kid I was like oh, you know I could go and watch Manchester United and go and watch Oasis you yeah. know it was like they they couldn't have picked a more heavenly place so you didn't you because. Know, I don't know. Personally, I would have been like, "Oh my god, I've got to start a new school." Was that? Was, yeah, was no. Cool with stuff I was like just that? dead excited. I, me- I really remember being like, thinking, "Yeah, sign me up." You know, it was now yeah. my sister was she was she was about sixteen and she was mortified. She yeah. stayed for a bit in Grimsby, but I was just really excited about it and everything that I loved. The, the epicenter of that was Manchester. Yeah. You know, sport and music. Yeah. It's like you couldn't have. You know, I'm eternally grateful and I do love the city, but I, I do remember like. It was like, you know, New York or something. You know, Grimsby's famously, it's like unemployment. There's nothing yeah. going on. You know, if it's very hard if you're into, you know, either of those things. So they're the, the not not a great level for both yeah, of those yeah, things, yeah. you know. So going and, and, and uh, being able to go and watch live bands every night of the yeah. week, you know, in these iconic venues. And um, it was so, so exciting. How soon did you start to think, I want to be in a band? Yeah, I think I was always playing a bit of guitar, but I, I think I think just finding something you love and that you're good at is really hard, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I've, I think, like, you can be forgiven for never finding that because it's the holy grail. So mm. I was, it was a bit later, I was about 25. I tried sort of sports and going down that road. And that didn't work out. So Serious, uh, like, seriously, tried. Sports, yeah, I like. did. Yeah, I, I did. I went for that, and then, uh, then you realise no, I'm not quite good enough, you know. So um, let's pick uh, a, an industry that's really easy. Yeah, to do well yeah, in. exactly. Music, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Not tough. yeah. I went in. I've, <laughs> I went and worked on like building sites and stuff in Manchester because I didn't know what to do, you know. And then, yeah, just got. I, I guess got really lucky with finding my feet with music because, but I do think like if you. I, I feel really lucky because I think just finding something that you you enjoy and that you you, you got a bit of talent in is 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 the holy grail. It's really hard to find, and if you find it, you should savor it. You know, because a lot of people aren't that fortunate, and and loads of people I grew up with, are, uh, you know, that they're, they're doing things that they don't like at all, and yeah. that's quite common. You know, so finding music was uh, was a, was really it was a fortunate thing for me, but. But, um, was you confident? No, I didn't want to be a singer. That was something I, I was, I scared me stiff. You know, I, I wanted to, I just loved writing music. And I met, uh, I was in a, you know, a, a, a indie band to start with. And I met Fred, who's a piano player and producer for our band in the studio. He was producing for this other band. And uh, we got on very well and started writing songs together. And we always would said, you know, we'll do these demos and I'll, put a quick vocal down and then we'll find a singer we'll audition some people and we got a bit of a band together and well the band that together that still remains and was so lucky amazing band but then we couldn't find a singer you know and we looked and looked and looked and so, it, yeah, so if you're still singing in the meantime i'm still then, singing yeah, yeah and that was uh we never found anyone and it was just hard to i think it you, you realize it's quite hard to explain to someone out 
what the song's about and how you should sing it and how and you know I was so like picky with it yeah. that no one would have you know and it, I, I don't think singing was an important part it still isn't it's like it's not about being a great singer at all it's about trying to tell a story in an emo and get a feeling across it goes back to the trained musician thing I, I've yeah. never been trained to sing and I don't consider myself a singer but it, it's just a vehicle of telling a story really yeah. wonderful mm. song that soundtrack your years clubbing yeah, that was uh, that would have been uh, Bon Slippy. Yeah, just uh, probably it's an obvious choice, but again, going back to that as an indie kid with a guitar and thinking that like you know electronic music couldn't be emotive. Yeah. It's like like that yeah. that thing when it starts, just like the That's wave. That's an intro, mate. Yeah, isn't it? And <laughs> like that wave or wall of sound yeah. that, but but just instantly like. Phew, just fills you up with feeling yeah. and like again I, that's one of those songs sometimes i don't know how i feel when i hear it you know yeah. you just like i suppose it depends where your head's at but there's a again it's hypnotic it's also there's a real euphoric sense yeah you know, massively and, yeah it's, it's exciting what did you want from clubbing it was never really my thing, actually. You know, it's not something I know much about, to be honest. And I know Manchester's, like, got a yeah. world... It's probably a world I could, I, I, I should still explore, you when know. I, when I say clubbing, that, that does also, you know, equate to going down your local indie club. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I remember, like, for me, it was like going to Manchester's a Fifth Avenue. There's a club there, that student bar, you know, going yeah. in there and listening to it. But they play stuff like that as well. Yeah. But... um it's an exciting time, isn't it? Looking back, I kind of think, God, I didn't know anything. You yeah. know, like you kind of think, God, I couldn't even pick a pair of jeans that fit. You yeah. know, it's like stuff like that. You feels, you know, but... Uh, I don't think you're meant to, though. No, you're not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still don't, but you you certainly <laughs> feel like... we did Years ago, I played guitar in this band that did like corporate stuff. And we yeah. went and did a a gig at like a freshest thing you know I think at the end of the year there's bar in Manchester yeah. the university when they've got any money to spend they're going to have a party and uh, so I went there and think god they're all going to be super cool all these students you know like they're probably you know into stuff we don't even know exists yeah. and super cool clothes and we turned up and god felt about 100 you know they all look so young and you yeah. realise actually you first if you go if you do study or when you're 18, 19 yeah. it's like you're so fresh I know. you know but I think, I mean, they say in your those years of your life, these things are so formative that you're more responsive to music and yeah. you can be moved by it easily, uh, like just by, a, uh, you know, hormones and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I do remember being, you know, in those days, just being like, God, hearing something like Born Slippy and going, wow, jeez, yeah. you know, moves you so much and it yeah. excites you and... Um, Good, good memories, you know. So, how did the band accelerate from still looking for a singer to to getting a record deal and 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 you staying where you are? We we were we were lucky at the start. We, we it's never been a like a big rise to fame or anything for us. We've been it's been a real slow burn. Um, we've never been in like a scene or anything like that or particularly trendy but we did get an opportunity when we first started uh, we got picked BBC introducing to support Elbow in Manchester at um, this Joe Wiley 
uh, BBC night at the Manchester Cathedral, you know, which was a massive gig, and it was wow. shown all over the city on big screens and stuff. Um, so that was about our fourth gig ever, really. So That's we, not bad. That was really lucky, yeah. yeah. And it, honestly, we had no idea what we were up to. We only had about five songs, I think. Yeah. And um, Did you know the guys in Elbow? We didn't know, they were, but they were in the same studio. They had a studio above us, you mm. know, but... Um, it, there was no connection there, but it was real privilege to play with them, you know. And it was, it was probably, it was, yeah, it was so early in our. We would do. I remember because we was we we had a cover. We covered Wilco, the, the band Wilco, the Jesus etc. Et that tune, and we did, used to cover that because we didn't have enough songs for, yeah. for for half an hour or whatever it was. But we got asked to to play on that, and that was and that did help straight away. Yeah. And then we got a bit bit of um, radio playing stuff in London, so. Um, it was it was that, but since then it's always been a, a nice sort of a nice build, you know. It's been no, no crazy crazy moments, but that was a big help, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's let, let's let's take it back um, to, to to your home county because for track six, a favourite song from an artist from your home county. Yeah. Well. Uh, Sorry, I think I misread that. You say country. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. You won't be the first. Certainly not the last. Jeez, uh, God. Taxi. I could see your face as I was saying that, thinking, oh, shit. Yeah, I thought it was a I strange question, actually. I thought, yeah. oh, that's a bit. There's loads from, yeah, right. Jeez. That's well, all right. We've shared we go with it anyway? already. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We've had enough Great from Manchester. Greatest band from the United Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's still a good one. It's um, a great one. Yeah, it was John Martin, Solid Air. Yeah. Uh, just and actually, when I wrote, when I answered these, I was had a bit of a YouTube moment. I went back on and watched him perform with Danny Thompson, you know. And it's like, oh, yeah. just like the the feeling in when he plays, and that's an interesting one because he's not trained. He, he wasn't trained, yeah. you know. And 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 that's a great fusion because Danny Thompson of course one of the best double bass players ever you know my favourite double bass player of all time and he he, he knew ever, you know such a, a student of music and then he could he, he, I saw an interview and he was saying you know he wouldn't say the chords or the but just how it feels they'd go yeah. to the pub they'd go straight to the gig they'd play the most beautiful music you know and the prop, it sounds like they ended up in the pub most nights but uh, just an incredible musician and wild, you know. I remember hearing that and just thinking, "Wow, this is wild, really." And the performance side of it, um, really amazing. And then I read, you know, the the origin of the song and and that it's about um, having a nervous breakdown, you know. And you sort of, with that in mind, when you listen to it again, it's like it's even heavier and it's even more emotive and it's. It's a beautiful representation of something pretty ugly, really, yeah. isn't it? You know. You mentioned earlier that uh, you live in Germany now. Mm. How comes you you ended up relocating to to Germany? Yeah, uh, you could probably guess, but yeah, met the girl there uh, in in a, mu a music festival a few years ago. So and uh, and I, I live in Dusseldorf now. So nice city and. Uh, a lot of good electronic music, of course, came yep. from there, and so it's interesting getting into all that. And um, but uh, but I like it; it's, it's great. It's a nice place, Germany. 
So how does that work in regards to sort of songwriting and, 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 and rehearsing and stuff? Do you have to come back for X amount of time or do you do a lot remotely via, you know, files and stuff via the, you know, it was, and that? Yeah, it was interesting with the record because this, this was a, the first record we did in with us all living in different places and it I think it really helps. You know, we've got a bit of space and we do do things slowly as a band and we can spend months on one track and um I think that space and time allowed us all to be a bit more open minded, you know, and yeah. if you're all sat in a studio it's so easy to offend people and you've all got your ideas and this was really nice for the sort of it was a diplomatic way of making a record because Fred had sent me something or I'd send him something or Joel and then you'd sort of, even if you didn't like it straight away, you'd have to sort of put your headphones down and think of replying as an email or something to say and by the time you've actually thought about it and given it another go, things sort of grew and sort of... um, evolved a little bit so i think it was really healthy you know that space and distance certainly wasn't a hindrance i think it really helped with the record it gave us time and space to really work on ideas that we perhaps would have otherwise dismissed immediately you know in a studio together so it worked really well we came back and worked with ian grimble uh in london in crouch end for like three weeks at the end to finish it um but um, but it, it worked worked well, you know. I think there's definitely there's merits to sort of being uh, having to think more and be more um, measured with your feedback and sure. sort of when you have to write to someone to say I'm not sure about this or yeah. I love this and this is how we I think it should go. Um, it, it, it's quite a nice process, really. You know, yeah, recommend it. Okay. Last track. A song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Yeah, I put. I think I put that the Chet Baker. Yeah, yeah I fall in love too easily. Beautiful, beautiful song. Yeah. yeah. There was a, a friend of mine in Manchester um, who had a the most amazing record collection, uh, and I used to go around there once a week and say, "Give us, some, you know, give us a record, you know." And he and he'd. Oh, every like a dealer totally yeah 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 i was you know yeah i've run out i've played that to death you know and I, and i've got used to it give us something harder and he did you know and he was quite yeah. measured with it you know it started off with you know stuff that uh i don't know stuff entry like level. yeah entry level heartbreaker <laughs> ryan adams and it ended up with uh you know some real heavy shit but no it was it was it was great and he'd, he'd say oh if you like that you'll love this, you know, I think he buzzed off it as well. You know, we both uh, were best of friends to this day. And, but I'm I'm a real product of some of his record collection, really. Um, I think it's important to have people around you that, whose opinions, you know, when they go, have you heard this? You go, no. And and you think, well, I'm going to now. Yeah. I think that's really important to like kind of, you know, especially in a time where everything's so easily available now, like you know, and and you can be so dismissive as as a so, byproduct of that, now yeah, because there's so much at your disposal. When you've got a, a friend who, or you know, that's a tastemaker, to just get that 
Look, listen, yeah, it'll be all right if you listen <laughs> to this. Like, I think that's but, really important. Yeah, because yeah, you you were you you can make the odd mistake, can't you? you yeah. Know? No, but I, definitely he was brilliant, and I remember him saying, "Actually, that one though, I was just round and I think I saw the cover or something, you know." And he was so iconic, wasn't he? I mean, it's such a sad story how he looked at the end because when he was a young guy, you know, he was mm. like he's looked amazing you know it was like stopped you in your tracks when you see pictures of him when he was younger so fresh and an interesting face and then he's oh chet baker sings it was you know and he's mm. like you love it you know and it was and i think if you're gonna get into you know jazz or something yeah. it's a great entry level record because yeah. it's you know he's he's so so much beauty in his singing of course as well Joel actually in the band he's he's a he grew up as a jazz guitar player and he, he's like we're a real pop project for him you know we joke yeah. but uh, he uh, he's he's great guitar player but he, he's he's really interesting with that because I can ask him oh you know any recommends yeah. and you know it, we joke we was joking the other day he was saying you know the ants the, you know it's the Miles or Chet Baker or Miles Davis thing he's like the answer's always Miles you know yeah. but he's like. They're both amazing, of course, you know, and that that song in particular, I think I get the lyrics, you know, I'm yeah. a hopeless romantic, really. I totally relate yeah. to it, and uh, I think um, I think it's a beautiful song, you yeah. know. Yeah. So what's happening now? Now we're uh, sound checking. We're gonna we're doing a gig at Islington Assembly Hall mm -hmm. tonight. Uh, which I've never been, but I've heard it's, it's, it's nice. Yeah, so I love those old venues, yeah. you know, the great. So uh, we're gonna go and play play a show, and it was always a big thing playing in London. You know, we've got it's less scary now than it used yeah. to be, but um, so we're gonna do gonna do that. I'm looking forward to it. it should be great. I was telling because um, it, it's the same for me. Like when we were used to go and play Manchester, yeah, 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 like, we're going to play Manchester, yeah. and we played uh, the Nine Down of I can't remember which one it was. But when we got there, I've, I'm sure I've probably bored people on this podcast with this story before, but um, we was doing the first sort of toilet circuit tour and we was playing to like 10 people a night if we was lucky. And we got to Manchester and all of a sudden it was like, it's busy here. And I thought, they're certainly not here for us. Yeah. I know that. And it was like, no, nah, the barman's leaving. He's got a job. He's got a, he's got a record deal. And that was Guy Garvey. Was it? Yeah. Right. So uh, that was probably, um, was it... Um, Oh God! What's it called now? Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was his. Uh, that, I'm right. <laughs> and he worked there. Yeah, didn't he? he worked at the Roadhouse. Yeah. I think they all did. Yeah, that's right. God. And uh, so yeah, it was rammed. Like <laughs> no one gave a shit about us. They were just there having a pint with guys. Uh, uh, well, we we had the opposite of that. We when we supported them in Manchester, and like we thought instantly made it now you know yeah. we're gonna and the next day we had a gig in london somewhere a really small venue and we was driving down thinking right wait till you see the queue you know and yeah. i think about three people turned up you know there's so. your reality <laughs> check right there <laughs> <laughs> the fall fall from greatness yeah it was it was it was um yeah funny gig that when we was, well yeah when we were driving back there was someone playing brass for us and she's she was reasonably young and we were in her mid-30s and I remember her saying halfway home just saying 
I think I'm a bit old for all this. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good weekend. We lost a member of the band, and uh, yeah, one one night was great, and one was a bit of a fall from grace. But oh, mate. Yeah, I think you get that when you like man, people from the north coming to London, it's intimidating, and going up to Manchester is like a big thing, you know. But the Roadhouse is a great venue. You picked a good spot to start. Oh, it was great. It was great. The busiest one we ever done on the tour. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the busiest night we ever played. See old guy, Garvey, a pint. I really yeah. do. I really do. Um, mate, I won't keep you any longer because I know you've got to go and sound check. Thank you so much for coming here on route. I really appreciate it, no mate. Worries, and, uh, and best of luck tonight and, uh, and hopefully see you soon. Thanks very much. There you go. Another episode done. What an absolutely charming man Rob Goodwin was. Um, I was gutted that uh, I was unable to head over to Islington and, and, and watch the slow show. If you've never heard them, may I suggest that you go and check them out. The new album's out. And it's wonderful. So go and check them out. Uh, they'll be tagged on all of the posts on this podcast on our socials. So if you follow off the beaten track, then um, have a little look on there because it'll give you a direct link through. Or just type in The Slow Show because they're on all the socials as well. Thanks ever so much for listening. As I said at the beginning, please go and have a look in the back catalogue because there's a huge, huge vault full of chats with amazing uh, singers, producers, DJs, actors, and uh, and and I want you to hear them because I'm I'm ridiculously proud of these chats, and also like I say, if you can go over to iTunes and give us a uh, a rating or a review, and uh, and better still, a subscribe because them things really do help. Um, yeah, I will see you next week. In the meantime, have a lovely time, and thanks ever so much for supporting this podcast. I'll see you soon. Bye bye. Oh yeah, sorry, I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition. There's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes, so if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Me, stew with it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.